Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grambling. And I'm Connor Orr. Hi, Gary. <laughs> oh, man. Connor, we've reached the end. We have reached a momentous occasion here, the final show of our preseason power rankings poll countdown. Yes. How does that fit? It, it it sounds good, but I I just gotta say you're you're coming back from vacation, mm-hmm. on the heels of a fantasy pod that we did with Michael Fabiano, and yep. um I don't know if you caught this, but Fabs was hanging out with Allison Chains, Michael Bublé, yeah. uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, so I don't know where who did you hang out with on vacation? Any any of those guys? Uh, uh I mean. We were in Ohio, so uh, Joe Burrow was also in Ohio at the time. So in a way, we hung out. <laughs> Alice Cooper, <laughs> Baker. No, Mayfield. I was uh, I was excited here, uh, and I already knew he played in the fantasy league with uh, with Jerry Cantrell. But th- that's the one that struck me. I, Buble is fine. I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. Buble is fine. And uh, I think it's just the juxtaposition, right? It's Scott Ian mm. from Anthrax. It is like three guys from Allison Chains, and yep. then Michael Bublé. 
how does that group of people come together in society? You know, it's fantasy football. It's an amazing thing. It's it's like the modern version of we are the world. It's it's very poetic. <laughs> you were uh, too young for that. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, uh, I've I, I have YouTube. Okay, good, good. Uh, well, let's get to it here, Connor. Uh, the best part of every show is me reading a list of teams, and that's what we're going to start with before we unveil the top four of our countdown here. Uh, 32nd place, last place, it was the Atlanta Falcons. We had the Bears in 31st, Seahawks in 30th, 29th, the Texans. We had a tie for 27th between the Giants and Jaguars. 26th is the Jets. 25th, Panthers. 24th, Commanders. 23rd, Vikings. A tie for 21st between the Dolphins and Steelers. Browns come in 20th. Lions at 19. Cardinals at 18. 16 was a tie between the Saints and Titans. 15 was the Patriots. 13, we had a tie between the Raiders and the Eagles. Top 12, we had Broncos in 12th, Colts in 11th, Bengals in 10th, Ravens in 9th. Last show, which you might have listened to, you should have listened to. 49ers in 8th, 7th was the Bucks, 6th the Chiefs, tied for 4th the Chargers. And we split these up uh, alphabetically or reverse alphabetically if you're going uh, from bottom to top as we are. That brings us to the other team tied for 4th, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. Who I voted first. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's happy about it. No. And let me tell you why we're un- I'm unhappy about it. First of all, mm-hmm. I I can't blame you for doing what you did. I understand why <laughs> you did what you did. You took, yep. you took a page out of my book. And for those of you guys who don't know this, and this is actually true going back to when I was at NFL Network and I was doing work on the Around the NFL podcast, we always, at every job that I've had, from a national perspective, I've always voted for uh, power rankings collectively with a group. And when uh, when I fa- felt like a team was undervalued or overvalued, I would put them mm-hmm. at number one to totally dramatically skew the rankings in my favor. This is what you've done with the Dallas Cowboys, who your spreadsheet adores uh, yep. more than it seems like I would adore some people in my own family. And here's the problem. I believe everything that you say. And so when I did um, earlier this week, my all 272 game prediction post went live. I have the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East at 12 and five because of you. And I had to do a lot of radio, right? National radio to promote the piece. <laughs> and everyone's like, yep. they're like, why do you have the Cowboys at 12 and five? And I, <laughs> and I said this today, uh, I was on, um, I was on the Better Sports Network uh, with Mark Melusis. Uh, yeah, Melusis, good. The Moose, yeah. And mm-hmm. he's like, "What the what the hell, man? The Cowboys, twelve and five? And I was like, "I don't know." Ask Gary. I mean, that was my. <laughs> and everyone laughed at me, but I was like, "This is this is Gary's thing. The Cowboys are Gary's thing." And I'm gonna, of course, I'm gonna glob onto it if it works out. But right now, it's kind of your thing. So normally, you ask me what the deal is with this team, Gary. I'm gonna ask you, what is the deal with this team? Okay, first of all, I just want to point out they went twelve and five last year. I don't <laughs> think it's it's outrageous to predict that they yes. uh, will have the same record that they had a year ago. Uh, I'll start with the negative and then I'll build it up to the positive. And I should point out, in all honesty, had the Tyron Smith injury happened before we voted, I wouldn't have had them first. I would have had them definitely top five. I'm looking at it now, probably third. I think I would have put them. 
the negatives with the Cowboys, uh, number one, schedule's going to be tougher. Uh, I just mentioned the Tyron Smith injury, a lot of change in the, in the offensive line. Those things are not great. Uh, the other thing with them, and it's funny, when I, when I pulled together the spreadsheet, and I should, because I haven't explained the spreadsheet in any depth, maybe ever, but uh, it's at least been like a year, uh, the spreadsheet is meant to mitigate what is kind of like the lucky bounce type of things. Uh, and uh, lucky bounce is a great way of saying it, but luck overall, you know, like where a team converts uh, like the Cardinals did early last season, they convert a bunch of like third and 27s and fourth and nines and, and they're they're perfect on these downs somehow and, and they're recovering uh, nine out of every 10 fumbles. It's not sustainable. I mean, that that's kind of, you know, that stuff regresses toward the mean. It's going to even out as we go here. When I first pulled together the spreadsheet around midseason last year, I usually do it around like week nine, week 10, something like that. I thought the Cowboys would really get dinged because they were getting so many takeaways. I you can force takeaways, but there's there there's some luck involved in takeaways. Like the Cowboys led the league with 34 takeaways last year. That won't happen again this year. There's some luck built into that. Even though the Cowboys are equipped, kind of like the Chargers we talked about last show, if you have a strong pass rush and you have ball skills guys in the secondary, you are built to take the ball away. You just, you know, whatever. You, you need a handful of tips. You need some running backs fumbling uh, for, for the opposing team, that sort of thing. It's just not going to play out that way. It, maybe they'll get like 25 this year. They probably won't lead the league. But they were, number one, not very good uh, in red zone efficiency. We've talked about that. that that's a very fickle stat. Uh, they were not particularly good on fourth downs offensively or defensively. Uh, and there's no real reason for that. It's, it's a single down. I mean, and it's such a small sample size, but it's so impactful because the fourth down is basically a possession. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like a coin flip uh, between who's going to get the ball. And they lost more coin flips than one when it came down to it. So they did not get ding nearly as much. I think their luck adjusted point differential, because that's what I title the uh, the report, uh, I think they were about plus 10 per game on the season, and when you adjusted it for luck, they were still over a touchdown per game. Uh, and again, that's a soft schedule, it does not build in strength of schedule, but they're all NFL teams, and you know what, they're going to play the Giants twice, they're going to play the Commanders twice, uh, they're in that same division, <laughs> they're going to play a lot of these teams again, and they're going to pile up some wins. Uh the reason I'm especially bullish on them was uh, Dak Prescott came to the year last year and, you know, he was coming off, obviously, the, the broken ankle, but also he had some shoulder issues. He was just dinged up coming to the year. And I do think that is a big deal because everyone's going to play injured as the year goes on. But if you're coming into the year already injured, you're just kind of behind the eight ball already. And you saw him fade late in the year. He played very poorly in the playoff loss. I mean, that's a single game sample size. But uh, really, post-Thanksgiving for him was was not good football. I do think he is on that sort of second-tier fringe MVP candidate type of quarterback. And I think he's going to get back there. And they've survived with you know, injuries on the offensive line before. I think they'll do so again. They haven't relied super heavily on the run game uh, in the past couple of years. 
That's my very long answer. I I've been talking for uh, three hours now on why I like the Cowboys, <laughs> and and I don't like the Cowboys. I enjoy seeing like sad Jerry Jones, uh, you know, on on the four twenty five game on Fox uh, as much as the next guy, but. They are built to be very good again. Uh, we've talked about it. The NFC has no real true blue blood. I think they're going to win the conference. I think they're going to the Super Bowl where they will tie the Chargers. And that's how the Lord of the Rings universe ties into Star Wars. <laughs> the end. Uh, <laughs> thank you to producer Scott Brody for texting me when you seem to be winding down so I could wake up from my power nap. Um, no, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was good. So that's, that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me, Connor. <laughs> ah. No, I, I, you're right. I mean, that, that's the thing. And I still go back to the fact that your luck adjusted point differential is LAPD. It's the, it's, it's a great acronym for a, Oh yeah. it's LAPD, you know? Um, okay. you could do it like, you could call your thing like the force metric or something like that. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I can't make the t-shirts though. Yeah. That's, that's a bummer. True. Yeah. I'll yeah. just, I'll spell it out. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll put some on the backs. It, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I'm the thing about Dak Prescott that drives me crazy is that every single year, and this was true before, I think before he got hurt, um, he was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL over his stretch with Kellen Moore. I think in games that he's played with him exclusively, he's been like the second or third best quarterback in football consistently. Um, that That's like the, um, the Ben Baldwin, like um, completion percentage over expectation and mm -hmm. expected points added per down metric that I think is pretty good. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's, but it's okay. Like I think it el over elevates Kirk Cousins. Um, and maybe it over elevates Dak a little bit, but I, I think we would both put Dak right in a different category than Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I can see it. Um, my dislikes of this team, certainly the injuries on the offensive line. I think the wide receiver core is a little bit thin, and I think this is maybe the last dusty old year of Zeke Elliott. I mean, I think, you know, next year he's like, uh like a Melvin Gordon kind of, you know, second down back if he needed to, or maybe, maybe he'll have a second life as like a punt gunner. I don't know. But, um, you know, I don't see him as like, uh, being as much of a factor. I, I predicted at the beginning of the season that they were going to kind of quietly pivot to Tony Pollard. I don't know what you think about that. I could see that. Uh, and we'll have to have someone on who can speak about this more intelligently than I can, but Zeke seems to be really good. I call him Zeke because we're we're so close. Yeah. Uh, since I hung out with Joe Burrow over vacation, uh, I've also gotten really close with Zeke Elliott. Uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott is really good at the little things. He's you know whatever you, you watch like the uh, when they play on Sunday Night Football and they'll point out like you know here's a here's Zeke sort of helping with protections. Here's a here's Zeke. Uh, um, you know, kind of understanding, uh, helping Dak understand uh, where he's going to be vulnerable uh, when when an extra man comes and that sort of stuff. So, and and he's very good at at pass protection. I mean, that's that's a that's a big thing. So, I think he's going to, no doubt, physically he is deteriorating, but uh, I think he's going to play more snaps than people expect, and they will just sort of make that trade off. 
I think that the pass, you make a good point on pass pro. And that's what keeps running backs in the league forever because there is a willingness there that doesn't necessarily exist in a lot of every down backs. And we've seen guys who, uh, you know, uh, well, let's see. Can you guess this? This will be a random, this will tell how much time we spend together, too much time. I actually don't know if I've ever <laughs> mentioned this guy in front of you, but who do you think I think the consummate pass protection back is? This is a like seventh round pick, worked his way into NFL, I would say fringe stardom for a couple of years. I think won a Super Bowl, but almost exclusively because of his willingness to pass protect. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, current guy or th- that's the only hint I want current guy. Or are you talking like retired in like 2011, 12? Oh, wow. Um, I will Tw- say uh, like 2013 Dorsey Levins, Mod Bradshaw. Oh, very good. Okay. Like just, just a, a beast as a pass protector. Um, Matt Forte, I think was a really good pass protector too. Am yep. I, am I right in true. saying that? Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe Ezekiel Elliott kind of evolves because Matt Forte had a nice tail on his career too. Maybe yeah. that's what Zeke does. You know, he has a nice, uh, our buddy Zeke has a nice, um, yes. kind of second, second win there. My buddy Zeke <laughs> Play, plays for my favorite team in the world. <laughs> All right, well, who besides Ezekiel Elliott moves you emotionally on this team? I was going to say there's certainly no but I you know, I can't I can't even I can't even start infringing on that for you. Um but <laughs> I, So I um I actually cribbed this for another story that I'm working on. So I'm not going to reveal the extent of this information that I have, but I have some mm-hmm. I have some black briefcase nuclear code statistical information um, from, yeah. Um, And I'm not going to tell you who number one is, but um, uh, PFF has wins above replacement. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So you you already sound unthrilled about this. I don't um, care for that stat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I've already I've already oversold it. This is good. Um, yep. They on the defensive side of the ball for defensive players they they a- attribute one win above replacement to what is worth a fifty million dollars salary. Okay. Um, only one defensive player was one win above replacement. Um, the the next closest were a group of guys like in the half win above replacement category mm-hmm. and one of them was Micah Parsons um so essentially was worth 25 million dollars according to their algorithm last year so that moves me I think that's kind of okay. interesting you know yeah I should back Honestly, up for a oh, second let me yeah let me for the folks at home who um uh, you know, look at us talking about big math stuff, right? Without uh, without explaining it, because we're so smart. Um, wins above repl- wins above replacement is essentially how many, how much better is your team on the roster because you're playing instead of what what they would plug in as the definition of the league average player. So to understand this a little bit better, let's let's make it a quarterback, right? Um, how much better is Dak Prescott above replacement level? So replacement level is like net zero, right? And yeah. the perfect definition of this, and it's a great 
it's a great way to bring up um my good friend chris wesling god rest his soul he always called it the andy dalton line right and it was for years like andy dalton was net zero he was Mm -hmm. he was the dividing line between replacement level and non-replacement level and so you imagine the league average player almost like me as a writer right you would picture me as a writer and um and and so how much better are you than that person and so whatever uh with micah parsons on the field the cowboys were essentially a half game better than they would have been if he had not been on the field which is phenomenal for a defensive player quarterbacks are different quarterbacks are are, are in a a different league so you know joe burrow is worth four or five wins above replacement in this metric tom brady last year i think was five was the highest player in the league in terms of their wins above replacement record um but so that that's sort of a quick primer on that for uh for for those of you who aren't uh uh, statistically versed or who hate wins above replacement as much as Gary does and have already <laughs> turned off the podcast. No, I, uh, I don't entirely dismiss the stat. I, I think like a lot of stats, there are just so many factors that, uh, that play into, uh, not only a player's value, but, but how he's going to affect the value of those around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, wins above replacement, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a very popular stat in baseball. It's much easier to do that in baseball, which is, a series of individual matchups for the most part. I mean, you know, no one's helping you, uh, no one's helping the batter swing the bat against the pitcher. Uh, Unless there you can play be for very... the Astros in 2018. God, Connor, <laughs> so controversial. <laughs> oh, Ayo. but, uh, but yeah, I, I had kind of, and there, look, it's, it's a new stat in football here. They are, they're tweaking it uh, as Connor pointed out a half win is just massive for a non quarterback. Uh, they had kind of dug in on Matthew Stafford being sort of a low wins above replacement, relatively low wins above replacement guy. And they were trying to sell it as coincidentally, everyone around him just happened to have a career year. Cooper cup just happened to elevate, uh, through no, <laughs> through very little effort of Matthew Stafford from, <laughs> from a, from a very good sort of, you know, whatever, a top 20 receiver to, a historically great receiver and you know these guys uh, we we've talked about austin corbett probably more than anyone outside of austin corbett's uh, immediate family has <laughs> talked about him uh as sort of a guy who you know they had these interior linemen who had struggled and struggled and struggled and then matthew stafford got there and uh not only is stafford better at sort of getting his protection set and getting the ball out but also teams are less willing to blitz Matthew Stafford. And that makes your life much, much easier, If especially on the interior offensive line, when there are more uh, there are more possibilities for who's going to be coming if an opponent blitzes you. Uh, so that's why, again, I, I recognize war as as legitimate. Uh, that's, again, I, I shorten it, save time, wins above replacement, war. Uh, but it's it's not quite there for me. That said... Yes, Micah Parsons, I agree, is is very good. Headline coming out of this, Grambling colon war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. It's. I mean, it was right there. It's pretty good, It had right? to be said. Had to be said. You know that, by the way, that's definitely the headline of, like, a Chicago Tribune White Sox column from, like, 2007 that Ken Tremendous probably made fun of. I'm probably yep. I'm probably peeling that directly from a uh, uh, fire, fire Joe, Joe Morgan, Morgan post. Yeah, 
<laughs> as as we slowly devolve into a baseball podcast. <laughs> it's pennant race time. Orioles are still in. I was going to say, I got some Orioles takes, but well, uh, it's another time. Another time. We we <laughs> we just need an after hours. Or maybe just a baseball like midweek episode we can start putting out. <laughs> Until the Orioles are like five games out in a couple of weeks and, and we just uh, lose all interest in it. Uh, I will tell you who moves me emotionally on this roster. Uh, gosh. Well, let's go with Malik Hooker. As you know, I have a passion for self-improvement. And uh, mm-hmm. Malik Hooker is a guy who came into the league kind of at the, let's call it the the end of the height of the Seahawks style defense of the single high safety. Yep. And he was that mold of player. And, and so he was very exciting coming in. Uh, I think he was a, I want to say 15th overall pick of uh, of the Colts. Yep. Of of the Colts and was a very exciting prospect. And then everyone has obviously, you know, it's, it's all cyclical. So maybe we'll see it come back, but everyone's sort of gone with the uh, split safety looks more and more. And obviously he has had to change his game quite a bit, but he has become a much more physical run defender than I look. He, he wasn't, he, he wasn't a liability, but it just wasn't a strength. I think it's a relative strength for him at this point, uh, both diagnosing and coming downhill. He's just become a much more complete player. And he's kind of in this post injury second phase of his career. And he's a quality starter. It, you know, he's not, the possible all pro that we all thought he might be when he came into the league, but he's had a really nice second act to his career. So uh, again, congratulations to Malik hooker on his self-improvement. Yeah. You got me. um, It's it's almost like when you go to your friend's house and you hear your first uh, Nirvana record, you got me into Malik hooker in that way. (laughs) Well, let me ask you, Connor, because I, I think I'm leading the witness here, but uh, you are, uh, what do we term the Eagles? They're, they're the team of Connor Orr. Yes, the Eagles are the team of Connor Orr with the, the Eagles are like subset 1B of the team of Connor Orr. 1A okay. is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that is the team of Connor Orr. I've written about the Ravens so much this offseason that I actually was scared that I wrote way too much about the Ravens and actually called editor Mitch Goldich in the middle of the night one night to uh, to see if I'd written too much about the Ravens. But the Eagles are 1B in that category, I would say. Yeah. The Ravens are like, I think they can win the Super Bowl. The Eagles are like, I think that they could uh, they could surprise a lot of people and they could be really a lot better than people think they will be. Okay, would you pick the Eagles or the Cowboys to win this division? I have the Cowboys winning the division because of you, um, (laughs) but I have the Eagles going further in the playoffs, if that makes sense. How about that? Uh, That's all right. You're kind of... I'm hedging. Could call it cowardice, but hedging (laughs) sounds... Sounds nicer. Yeah. Okay. I think they're still going to go to the Super Bowl. I think I'm I'm swapping, and we are going to be unveiling uh, on SI.com our, our our brackets, our full playoff picks this week. I think I'm going to swap it. I think I am going Chargers over Cowboys. Say it, yes. Or maybe one of these other teams. Say it. <laughs> I, might, I might back off of this. <laughs> I'm worried about Tyron Smith. I'm sure the graphics team is going to love this uh, this uh, this indecision uh, on your part. 
I will have to call Mitch in the middle of the night, who will then have to call Bryce Wood, our designer, in the middle of the night to uh, switch it and then switch it back. And so to put a bow on this, right, we always ask what the best case scenario is. I think you and mm-hmm. I both can possibly, you you envision a potential Super Bowl bid. I envision a, yeah, you know, a kind of a good playoff run. The worst case scenario is that this thing bottoms out. You lose Kellen Moore to a head coaching gig somewhere else. Dan Quinn, either to a head coaching gig or another, you know, sort of really powerful defensive coordinator kind of job somewhere else. And you get Sean Payton, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, say, which is not, which is kind of rules if you're a Cowboys fan, right? Because the worst case yeah. scenario is you get one of the best offensive play callers in modern NFL history. Yeah. Which is yeah. all right. You know? Not bad. Not bad at all. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So 
Listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, moving on, we have a tie for second place. So once again, we will unveil these in uh, alphabetical order or reverse alphabetical order if you are coming from the, uh, the bottom of the list. Tied for second, Los Angeles Rams. Defending Super Bowl champions, uh, Connor, what is the deal with this team? Plucky upstart with unheard of <laughs> head coach. No, um, yeah, the last year's Super Bowl champions had one of the greatest offensive seasons in NFL history. They have two of the best defensive players in modern NFL history in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. They're just a, a spectacularly talented team that I think, excitingly enough, has diversified themselves this offseason. Uh, they are kind of stepping a little bit away from the typical McVay-Shanahanian formula of all the certain pieces that they need to run the offense. And I think Allen Robinson actually coming in here gives them almost a way to dual Cooper Cup the whole situation, you know? And I, I think maybe put, put almost like a Cup-like player on both sides. A lot of really good possession type receivers who you know maybe maybe you're not hitting 90 yard strikes like you were last year but i think you're still playing like a really really hyper efficient offensive football yeah i uh i'm not a huge Allen robinson fan i mean i think he's a good player i just there are people who think he's a superstar i think he's just a star but i love the addition here i mean he's gonna get so much single coverage yeah. for the first time probably in his life uh our producer Scott Brody is really disappointed in you for not using his T-shirt slogan, Cooper Cuppy Cat. Cooper Cuppy Cat. It's going to be a lot of Cooper Cuppy Cats coming Cooper around. Cooper Cuppy Cat. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I love the Allen Robinson edition. What worries me about this team, uh, and you know, you can find potential problems with every team, but coming off that 21-game season, and there are some whispers at the end, you know, oh, it's, it's Sean McVay burning out, mighty step away, whatever it might be. Uh, you have a lot of older veterans on this team. They are fully capable of managing this, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Matthew Stafford has already been dealing with elbow tendonitis. Uh, you know, I, I talked about Dak Prescott last year. I, I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world and everyone's going to play hurt and all that stuff, but going into the year hurt, 
<laughs> that just kind of stinks. You're supposed to go in fresh and healthy and then get hurt as the year goes on. He's already got an injury coming in. So I don't know. It, it's it's. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge to repeating in this league, uh, not only just the natural parity, but just having to come off that grind and do it again. It's 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 a it's a tough hill to climb. Do you want to hear my Rams chaos theory, like how it ends, how how the series ends? Yeah, Matt Staff Matt Stafford retires and McVay pulls a Gruden Sean Payton. I think it's like there's there's no way he's ushering in. Matt John Stafford's, era. yeah, John, you know, Matt Stafford's replacement or drafting him, you know, I think he takes this another year or two and then, you know, does a little TV. Yeah. I, you know what, though? I think that's good. I think everybody needs a break, you know? I do, too. The fun thing about McVeigh, for those of us who want to view him as a as a non-human just here to entertain us and 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 do his dance and whatever else, uh, projecting out, you know, is is he going to win ten thousand games in his career? Because he's so young, uh, maybe. And if he steps away, it's like, oh well, that's a bummer. Now he'll never uh, get past nine thousand or whatever it might be. But <laughs> it just seems like. All these guys should maybe just take a couple years off. And, you know, he's, what, he's recently married? Uh, you know, if, if you wanted to start a family and, and see your children during their formative years, might not be the worst thing in the world. I, I tell this to fans all the time, and I remember uh, counseling one of my friends who, uh, uh, you know, in 2011 thought that the Giants were set up to dominate for five or six years and i think that every owner and every gm needs to understand this like the days of all this happening are over and there's never going to be another patriots dynasty again and there's never going to be another steel curtain because these guys don't need to play for as long as they do uh, playing football is harder than it's ever been before uh, it sucks in terms of all the things that you have to deal with off the field even more when you're like not performing for someone's fantasy football team and they direct message you death threats. Like this is not a life that a ton of people want to live for a very long time. And so I feel like like nothing is forever in the NFL, which is good and in life, I guess nothing is forever. So the bad times aren't going to last forever, but the good times are certainly not going to last forever either. And like, if the Rams don't win a Super Bowl again this year, not to, and, and it's not going to diminish McVay's legacy at all in my mind. I think he was brilliant and he had mm-hmm. a really great run. Um, but if they don't win one this year, I think this is it's going to kind of be tough, right? Because you're 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 expecting a lot of people to do a lot of things. You know what's that thing with the guy with the globe on his shoulder? Is that Hercules? Atlas? 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 <laughs> Atlas? So- Cerberus, uh, <laughs> Neptune, uh, one of those guys. Um, that's sort of like the way that they're, they have a lot of guys who do things really well, but they do mm-hmm. things really well off of people who do things exceptionally well, right? Um, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. One of those guys goes down the whole, you know, the big globe that you're carrying gets a little bit heavier and a little bit tougher to tougher to balance you know well, there's there's also there's just not a whole lot of depth here i mean we saw that in the super bowl yeah. odell beckham jr went down and uh the domino effect was just uh was was hugely problematic uh i will say like 
I think one really underrated thing about McVeigh, and no one underrates McVeigh, but uh, <laughs> his problem solving ability over the last, uh, you know, what was it, six seasons that he's coached or so, uh, it's just been exceptional. And you can go sort of beyond like, oh, you know, he made Jared Goff into a really productive quarterback or, or whatever. And that's, yeah, that's, that's obviously part of it. But like, there was a time where the 49ers were just crushing them time and time again. I mean, they beat them six in a row, but I mean, the games were non-competitive. The 49ers were going into the LA Coliseum and just uh, completely outclassing them. And, you know, they almost stole a game from them on a Saturday night late season. Uh, He just, McVay found answers. And last year, when Robert Woods went down, they're trying to work in Odell Beckham Jr. And some of that is natural, and it was going to work itself out anyway. But, uh, you know, he steadied it. And, you know, they, they came up with a, a way to get it done. And even in the Super Bowl, a, a very, very, you know, sort of microcosm of, of the McVay era was that final drive where they were going nowhere. And it really looked like there weren't any answers. And yes, part of it was Matthew Stafford's superhuman stuff and Cooper Cup superhuman stuff. But uh, they mounted a drive when they needed to have a drive. And it just didn't seem like it was in the cards that night. And instead, they're Super Bowl champions. If there was a coach that I think has access to the Bradley Cooper limitless pill, I think it's Sean or it's Sean McVay. Yeah. 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 Um, that would be wild if we found out that, you know, I mean, that would be a big story. We'd write about that. That would. Yeah. Uh, we'd at least aggregate it when someone else wrote about it. But yeah, we'd cover it. <laughs> Get a headline out of it. Uh, Who we're both moved by Alan Robinson. I think we have covered that. But uh, who else moves you emotionally on this roster? You know who my guy is? Are you going to try? Should I make you try to guess? I think I've brought him up before. He's like, I think you're going to bring up Greg Gaines. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's it. Greg Gaines. He's he's the best. I mean, and it's it comes when you have someone like Aaron Donald and then you understand the character of the defensive line. But Gaines, like, the way that he's able to work off of Aaron Donald and some of the stunting that Raheem Morris is able to do with those guys, I feel like I say Mm -hmm. this all the time, but it's just, it's poetic. It's very cool. And I think that he's going to make a lot of money in his career. Greg Gaines. Big Greg Gaines guy. I, I agree. I, I'm a Greg Gaines guy, too. Uh, I'm going with, with Joe Noteboom, and we've discussed Joe Noteboom around free agency and all that, but uh, here it is. I mean, this is going to happen. He's the left tackle now for the defending Super Bowl champions, and we'll see how he does. Uh, again, he was pretty shaky early in his career. You know, he came into the league as sort of a traitsy guy who was maybe a little bit raw, and stuff didn't work out early. They played him as some guard. Uh, didn't happen there, but... They needed him last year against the Bucks when Andrew Whitworth had gone down, and he delivered a huge game. So maybe he's up to the task. Maybe it's ready to uh, to happen here. Obviously, the fact that they re-signed him gives you a you know they know him better than anyone, and that sort of tells you what they what they think about him going forward. So you know what I'm going to be uh, doing this year is a lot of Andrew Whitworth weight watching. Right. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Because, you know, you see him on Thursday Night Football, and if all of a sudden he's Joe Thomas, you're like, okay. But if you see him on Thursday Night Football and he still looks like Andrew Whitworth, you're like, oh, okay. Like, he's going to play at some point this season. Like, the Rams will drag him in for the stretch run and make him him play a little LT, you know? I don't know. Just saying, it's worth keeping an eye on. What if Joe Nopum is fine? 
didn't he like kind of say, but then not say that the Cowboys <laughs> asked him to play for Tyron Smith? I like Andrew Whitworth, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, don't want to rehash. He 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 seemed to get really upset about it. Yeah, he but, did. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's no reason to to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what's uh? I mean, Super Bowl championship is is best case scenario here. Uh, if things go wrong. Setting aside, yes, if Matthew Stafford ends up having like a major elbow problem, that's that's going to be tough to overcome. But uh, if Stafford is relatively healthy throughout the year, I mean, how low can it go here if it does go low? 11 games, right? 10 games? Yeah. 10 wins? But, you know, if like let's say Matthew Stafford messes up, his shoulder's messed up and he can't play. Mm-hmm. I mean— would you would you and this sounds crazy but you have stars in the prime of their careers like would you almost just be like all right Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey like you guys just you know why don't you take a couple games off you know because you're not going you, you know you're not going to the playoffs it's almost like the 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 way that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch seem to t- treat certain seasons where it's just like all right we're not gonna win so who cares you know we're gonna be here we're going to be the coach and the GM, so let's just do what's best for us like 900 days from now. And I don't know. If you're the Rams, would you do that? Maybe. I would. Yeah. I just don't want Aaron Donald to retire. I can't have that happen or else my whole defense is broken. It doesn't work. You'd have to go get players in the draft, and you ran out of draft picks. You're all <laughs> out of draft picks. There's none left. <laughs> Oh, I love the way they built this. <laughs> MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, tied for second with the Rams. I almost just gave away the the team, which I'm going to do right now. Uh, That is the Green Bay Packers. Connor, what's the deal with the Packers? Yes, um, the Packers are just always good. Um, they've had bothersome playoff losses throughout the Matt LaFleur era, but they win 13 games in every regular season. My argument would be, despite the loss of Devontae Adams, probably a better overall team than they've been in the Matt LaFleur era as a whole. I think they have maybe the second or third best linebacking core in the NFL. I think they've upgraded a ton of their defensive personnel to be able to handle pretty much anything that they're going to see from an AFC team in the playoffs. And I have a little bit of a hot take that Alan Lazard is going to be pretty darn good. I think he's going to be on the field a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the offense isn't going to miss that much of a step because come October, they're going to unleash the A.J. Dillon monster, and it is going to reign supreme over everybody and everything. That's my hot. That's my Packers take. That used to be my favorite trend every year, and I feel like it's really gone away over the last like five years. It has been. Whoever like that two hundred twenty pound back who does nothing in the first half of the season, and then when everyone is worn out come uh, Thanksgiving, they just get <laughs> it gets sent out there to just. Uh, uh, James Starks kind of did it. it was back in the day. I'm sure there are other guys, but uh, I miss that. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Rex Ryan covering because everything it all goes back to two thousand ten Jets, obviously. Um, when they, that team had Ladanian Tomlinson, uh, if you remember that, and but then they also had Sean Green, who was a bigger bodied running back and rex was like just wait guys he's like we're gonna run lt the beginning of the year get everybody used to the shifty running back and then here comes sean green and then like like i remember us getting to the here comes sean green game and then everyone's like oh maybe this doesn't work the way that we thought it did so that <laughs> here here come back 34 year old ladanian tomlinson please and uh, and fix this yeah yeah that was kind of the theme <laughs> But A.J. Dillon was really good down the stretch last year. He was. Very good. And look, he's one of those guys who's just, he's a, there are a lot of big backs in the NFL that are tough to bring down, but he is, he is especially big. He's especially tough to bring down. Uh, That's, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare in December if he has fresh legs. Yeah. No fun for anyone except for A.J. Dillon and his teammates. Yeah, that must be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh my thing with the Packers is I do think they're going to slide back offensively. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take, although I do want to point out real quick, uh, in the Matt LaFleur era, they played seven games without Devontae Adams. They are 7-0 and in those games, and they averaged 31.6 points per game. I don't think it's going to fall off as much as it would have. Uh, you know, it, under Mike McCarthy, when it was all the 11 personnel and, and static formations, and uh, we're just going to, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to get the snap and figure it all out post-snap, and Jordy Nelson is going to get to the right spot, and James Jones and all that stuff. Uh, breaking in a new receiver in that offense was nearly impossible. It's very possible and probable it will work out pretty early in the season. Uh, bringing in some new guys in what is a more highly schemed offense at this point. So I, I think it does work offensively, even if it's not quite as good. I think they might be really, really good defensively, though. Like, elite defensively yeah, here. Me too. Um, I mean, my, they they were really good last year, and that was with, you know, Jair Alexander missed a bunch of time. Uh, you know, they, they were banged up at the edge spots, but... A healthy Jair Alexander, uh, you know, your guy Eric Stokes, I think, is ready to to make a step up in the number two corner spot. Uh, we are all big Devondre Campbell fans, and I don't know when Rashawn Gary hits his ceiling. Maybe he did already, but if he were to continue to escalate here, I, I'm not sure personnel-wise there, there's a more talented defense in the league. I know. and Right? It's, it's almost... When you keep when you get rolling on it and you keep thinking, oh gosh, then they have this and then they have this and they have this. Granted, we're expecting young players with no NFL track record to play up to the level that we think they can. And I still hold a slight bit of skepticism about the Georgia defense as a whole. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they were brilliant ahead of their time in a lot of things, and it allowed these guys to play a little bit faster. But they're all athletically off the charts right and when green bay drafts georgia players i feel like that's when you know it's different than say like a bad franchise drafting a georgia player because green bay drafts for athletic traits first and so and then they kind of figure everything else out and so their determination was that these guys were otherworldly athletically and i think that checks with what we've seen and what we hope from them but you're right um i i have i have some more eric stokes takes but i'll get to that in a minute because i think you're about to ask me um, uh, a question that leads me in that direction. Yes, Connor, I was going to ask you who moves you emotionally on this roster. 
Eric Stokes. Um, and <laughs> I, you know, I, I just think, I think he was really underrated um, and slipped to the back end of the draft last year. And there were a lot of teams that I think once it became, he was one of those guys that came on just a little late in the process, I think. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys that scouts really kind of got into later on. And so all these teams that thought that they could get him in the second round we're all of a sudden like, oh, no, you know, now we're gonna have to get, now we're gonna have to take him in the first, and I don't know if it's a, uh, but Green Bay made that move, and uh, I think it's gonna pay off. I, I think that with another, that was always what you heard from him from that first year. Right, first year was gonna be a little tough. He's still new to the position. I think he was a running back or a wide receiver, um, but yeah, I think once he puts it all together. The traits are off the charts. I think he could have like, um, um, I think he could have like that rise to the elite tier this year, where maybe he becomes like a top ten player at the position this year. All right, I'll I'll buy that. I'm enthusiastic about Eric Stokes too, not as enthusiastic as you, but uh, God, I mean, they didn't have very good cornerbacks last year, and now they might have two really good ones. Uh, yeah. That's always how Green Bay, and again, I mean, again, you don't just win 13 games just because of Aaron Rodgers. Yes, it helps. It goes a long way. But it, it seems like every two or three years, it's like, oh, this part of their team is broken. And then it's like, wow, they have three of the best players in the in the league. I mean, Jair Alexander in 2020 was the best cornerback in the mm-hmm. NFL by, by a wide margin. And so, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think it all works out. Uh, the guy. I think they know what they're doing. <laughs> the guy who moves me emotionally is, uh, I'm going to go with Kenny Clark, and, and there's not a ton to say here. He's obviously a guy who who owns the trenches, and, and uh, he is, uh, to me, a better version of Jonathan Allen, both in ability and in the uh, uh, the fact that he, he just needs a better nickname, or a nickname. He, just Kenny Clark is, is too common a name for such a special player. Copycat. Uh, <laughs> yes, except what's going to happen is uh, every time you say that, you owe Scott Brody a nickel. So I'd say mm-hmm. I'd say slow down on on uh, uh, Cooper Cuppy Cat there. I, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> he was ahead of the curve. I mean, that's 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 how uh, that's how you make money in this world. Uh, but there were two plays at the end and it's it's oh he made two good plays all year uh but beyond what he does down like snap to snap there were two plays uh when they played the bears uh, early-ish last season where he chased down justin fields twice uh not justin fields in a dead sprint i don't want to i don't want to overstate it but uh this is a 310 315 pound guy kenny clark just chasing down one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the game uh He's just really good, and I think people don't realize how good he is. And, yeah, like I said, I think top to bottom roster-wise, this defense matches up with anyone in the NFL, and uh, I think Kenny Clark is is just utterly dominant up there. With that in mind, Gary, what is the ceiling for the Green Bay Packers this year? Look, they should be hosting two or three playoff games. Two, I guess, if you're the one seed, right? That was my way of saying they should be the one seed. Uh, As we go through the show, I think I am going to make the flip and pick the Packers over the Cowboys. Mm, (laughs) I'm sorry. It's It's okay. Well, 
And I appreciate your attitude on that because I did call you a coward uh, just a few minutes ago. And you have an opportunity well, now and you're not taking it. So I no class act. Class act, Connor Orr. That's right. It's uh it's always better to be the the bigger person. Yeah. Um and yeah, I, I mean I have the Packers. It's Packers or it's Packers or Bucks, right? In in the NFC to me. I mean, I know you have the Cowboys in there um as well, but it, you know, to me it's Packers and Bucks. Um, one or the other. I mean, whoever wants to lose to the Ravens in the Super Bowl, it's it's their call. Whoever uh, whoever wants to sign up for that, but I don't know, man. I I think Matt Lafleur is a great coach. I mean, I don't think you just win again. You don't win thirteen games just by having Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I'm not even going to make a, a dumb declaration like if they don't win it this year, uh, you know, then he's on the hot seat. I you know I think he'll be the coach there for the next ten years if he wants to be. Um, but you know, at some point you do have to, you know, every year there's been that weird excuse, but there've been legitimate excuses, right? I mean, the Mike Pettin defense got torn apart by the outside zone. They just weren't prepared for it, which was mind blowing since that's what they were running. The Packers. I mean, you should, you should know how to stop that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so you got your doors blown off in a game like that. You had all the special teams breakdowns and a snowy game against Dallas. So a lot of weird happening there for sure. Um, but or uh, San Francisco, Francisco, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, you know, all that stuff bundled together. I think you got your flukes out of the way. You got Rich Basaccia in there as special teams coordinator. And at this point, you know, you got nothing. No more excuses. This is it. You got to go. You got to go win the big boy games. now. The most impactful special teams hiring of, uh, I don't know, our lives. <laughs> Rich Basaccia to the Packers. Maybe. Well, let's. Would would Tim Tebow as a Jets gunner be the most impactful, just because it 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 yielded global attention, or would the Buccaneers drafting a kicker in the second round be the most impactful, or would the Ravens signing Justin Tucker to a four year deal, uh, like just continuously re-signing Justin Tucker, would that be? impactful those aren't like changes though i mean tim tebow is a change you're just promoting your old uh star ledger work at this point but uh that's true i i really need people to go click on that old (laughs) stuff now that you owe scott brody all that cooper cubbycat money yeah i know gotta gotta get myself a hole here gotta get those nickels and dimes (laughs) we we don't get that's not how any of this works by the way we we don't get paid for clicking on old stories contrary to what everybody (laughs) thinks yeah i don't I don't get paid by the clip. If, if we could correct the record on something that nobody thought. Uh, anyways, yeah, but I think this is, you know, it affects the whole unit. I think there's an argument to be made. And it's new. Like, yeah, Justin Tucker is the most impactful special teams participant of our lifetimes, probably. Him and Tim Adam Tebow. Vinatieri. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, as far as something happening, the event, the change, yeah, Rich Passaccia to the Packers. Rich Bisaccia, uh did my favorite thing ever, which was write all the Raiders players' letters. Remember that? After the playoff game? Oh, Hand wrote yeah. every player on the team letters, and then Mark Davis fired him. Like, it, it, was, uh, it was just, it was the most Raiders thing ever. It's like, here's this man who sweetly and genuinely loves the opportunity, cried at the podium when they introduced him, and then led... Uh, an insanely unbalanced John Gruden team to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he's like, nah, I'm going to go hire Josh McDaniels. Yeah. You know, 
It's great. That's 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 the cold hard world we live in. It is. It is. I I, I want to see Basachi get a ring. That's that's what I would like. Yeah, I would I'll get that. behind that. That's a good story. Yeah. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we unveil number one, I just want to lay out what's going to happen this week with the NFL season starting. Uh, Connor and I will have our, it's going to be just a take fest for the midweek show coming out either Wednesday or Thursday, probably Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, w- I'd wear a hard hat or in, in, in some sort of beach, like water repellent beach wear. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's gonna, there's just gonna be takes flying so, everywhere. Something, something with UV protection, just in case. <laughs> Uh, and then we will be back Friday morning uh, recapping the Thursday night game. Whatever transpires between the Los Angeles Rams defending Super Bowl champions and this team right here. Number one in our countdown. The Jets. The <laughs> best team in the NFL. The <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Connor, uh, what's the deal with the Bills? You know, I uh, I was on the Around the NFL podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they um, – we we did uh, custom team slogans for every team, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I think it was Mark Sessler or Greg Rosenthal said of the Bills, Buffalo Bills twenty twenty two, what can go wrong, right? Because it's like every team, everybody thinks they're winning the Super Bowl, yeah. and what always happens to the team outside of the Rams last year that everybody assumes is just going to do the extremely Herculean task of waltzing through the best conference in football and making it to the Super Bowl, and then winning the Super Bowl. I don't know, man. It's like, yes, I think they have the deepest roster in the NFL. I think they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But there's there's some butts. And I backed away. I had the Bills winning the Super Bowl in my April or June 100 Bold Predictions column. Mm-hmm. I now have them losing in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just... I. I there's something about it where I just I, I'm like, we can't all be right. It just doesn't happen that way, because we we you know what I mean. It's the old. Do you want you know like anyone versus the field? You'd have obviously take the field, of course. You want the field, yeah, yeah. I want the Ravens, yeah, <laughs> and I pick the Chargers. <laughs> but the Bills are number one in our ranking here. We did it just just to uh, pull the corner. You had them number one when we voted on this. I had them number three behind the uh, Chargers and Cowboys. Again, I would probably bump the Cowboys down to three and have Chargers one, Bills two. But, uh, but anyways, uh, I have been saying this to Bills fans who laugh at me and mock me and, and give me wedgies and swirlies when I, when I unveil this piece of i think sage wisdom uh they are going to miss the days of being the underdog because every year for the rest of josh allen's career is going to be super bowl or bust and there's going to be so many years where it's like you know it's november and december and it's like oh can we just get through the regular season get to the playoffs and you get to the playoffs and again look at what happened last year they're 13 seconds away from hosting the afc title game it went wrong (laughs) 
<laughs> like it slipped away. Those things are going to happen. I, they're going to uh, they're going to win some Super Bowls uh, in all likelihood in the next decade. But yeah, it's it's really difficult to do, and it gets really do frustrating to watch year after year when it just comes down to a few moments in January. Do you think that they beat the Bengals at home? I do. Uh, Me too. And I do look. I, I've I've said I don't think the Bengals were a fluke. I think they were a really good team. Uh, I mean, gosh, do you remember halftime of that Chiefs Bengals game? Do you remember the uh, the Applebee's song guy came out and it was terrible and he was the volume was way too high. So anyone watching on the broadcast, all you could get is the uh, the Applebee song, which is yes, an unforgivably terrible song. And I'm I'm sorry, but there's I I can't even ironically praise it. Uh, it's just awful. And I hope that ends up being a curse. I hope the Chiefs never win another postseason game. And we talk <laughs> about the Applebee's song with such, uh, just such <laughs> wrath and, and spite that it deserves. Do you, uh, how much would you hate me if, like, let's say, let's say I knew this guy. Um, oh gosh, what's his name? The know. guy who sings the Applebee's J- song. It's Jason something, I want to say. He's more famous than me, but I don't know his name. <laughs> Applebee's song guy. Um, Walker Hayes. Okay. Jason uh, and Hayes kind of sound the same. Walker Hayes sounds like um, every ch- every child's name that's like born in this, like born <laughs> below the Mason-Dixon line from like 2010 on yeah. it's just like you know but let's say i knew walker hayes mm-hmm. um and I actually went on a big nashville radio station not too long ago and said that he sucks i just said that that, that uh um <laughs> Wait, how did it come up do you, do you know that no did i ever tell you this no. oh man so um one of my one of my best friends i have his uh record behind me mm-hmm. ryan harris brown okay sing, singer songwriter in nashville mm-hmm. and he was playing a show at the ryman uh, uh which is a really cool venue down there yeah yep. and so i was i they had me on to talk about the titans i think it was like the espn radio station down there and i said i will come on and talk about the titans but you have to give me two minutes at the end of the segment to talk about my favorite nashville musician and they said okay fine and at the end of the show, I was like, Ryan Harris Brown is one of the best guys that you've never heard of. You have to go to the Ryman mm-hmm. and stop listening to Walker Hayes because he sucks. Like, I just said that on the radio. Oh and I was like, this is a powerful thing I'm doing. I think I'm helping out people. Um, <laughs> it's it's power. You praise something good. I mean, that's as noble as it gets. You praise something good and you, you struck down something horrible. Yeah. But what if, let's say this podcast went dangerously south and you and I started coming up with ways to bother each other and I knew Walker Hayes and then all of a sudden um, producer Shelby goes, hey guys, you know, we got a new theme song or whatever. Someone famous wrote it, whatever. Mm -hmm. So you go to listen to the next podcast, right? And it's the (laughs) opening notes of the Applebee's song. But like I had to make special lyrics for us like, and it's just like. (laughs) Talking football with Gary G and the net, net. Like, how mad would you be? You would like, you'd just be like, forget this, man. I'm done. It, it would be would that be the, one of those. Would rea- that be the death knell in our relationship? Well, it would be one of those reactions where I, 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 
I sort of calmly <laughs> push pause on on my on my phone, and just my pupils would kind of go back in my eyes as I stare into the middle distance. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like that would be the greatest April Fool's joke <laughs> ever if I had the means to make that happen, which I definitely don't because I went on the radio and said yeah. that he's awful. <laughs> so he'll never do us this favor. Um, but that's oh, it. that's that's we are reaping what we sow <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we just talked about how terrible he was on this podcast. Yeah. Unlikely scenario. Yeah, I'd also make Shelby like send me the finished uh, edit every week too just to make sure it wouldn't happen and that's how i live my life i live my life in total fear from there on in uh, uh oh anyway so yes the bills so the bills if yeah. you go back to halftime of of that game and you know yes kudos to the bengals for making adjustments and 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 pulling that one out but uh it was it was fairly lopsided i mean there was no doubt that the chiefs were a better team uh you know, I, I don't know what happened to say. Patrick Mahomes just got really frazzled by all the dropping seven, dropping eight, and wasn't run. I mean, if you drop eight against Josh Allen, he's going to run for eight to 12 yards on every down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's very, very likely that the that the Bills are playing in the Super Bowl. And if it's a scenario where Odo Beckham Jr. gets hurt midway through the game, the Bills are probably winning the Super Bowl fairly comfortably. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, go on. You were going to ask me something. No, I. We've talked about how good the roster is. This is. This is kind of the red flag to me for this roster. And I just want to see if you feel the same way. Uh, the defense, which is a good defense. Uh, I think they got fat statistically against a lot of bad quarterbacks last year. I think they had trouble tackling. Uh, when they had to tackle, whether it be Derrick Henry on Monday night in Nashville, whether it be Jonathan Taylor when the Colts really uh, ran him out of that building in that uh, pretty wild game uh, later last season. But they just kind of shrunk at all the wrong moments. And it, it's small sample size. It's it's tough to really get on, get on them. But uh, I worry about this defense in a postseason game against, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, a uh, you know whoever else you want to Patrick Mahomes, whoever else you want to throw up there at this point. I respect that take. I won't be getting into the business of questioning Buffalo's toughness, um, uh, just because I feel like that's bad for business. You know that. You've you've been around. I, it's it's not a toughness thing. It's just yeah, you, you have to. I mean, look, they couldn't get off the field against the Chiefs last year. I mean, that's that's what it came down to. I've always supported Buffalo. Um, I think it's the toughest city in America, and uh, that's the beginning and the end of my campaign speech. No, you're right. I mean, I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a bad joke, but um, yeah, I mean, and and th- this is why. Um, I don't know if you're going to ask me who moves me on this roster, but I'm going to say Von Miller because. My bold prediction for this year for the Bills was that Von Miller will break his single-game sack record twice because his record, I think, is three. He's had three. I think he could get four in a game twice because he faces Zach mm-hmm. Wilson or Joe mm-hmm. Flacco. Like he's he, he might have like a week five whatever game against Joe Flacco, and he's going to be in the backfield in 
0.04 seconds, and that thing is going to be disastrous. Um, to a tongue of Iloa, um, and that boot have like two two offenses that are running a lot of boot action. The Patriots, if they're really, which I don't think they are, going to go outside zone, but if they're actually thinking about it and are at the beginning of the year struggling with the transition to it, I mean, they could again emerge into early November as like the number one defense in the NFL by a wide statistical margin, just because the rest of the division's kind of kind of butt. Yeah. That's very true. These top two teams, the Bills and the Packers, are a countdown. They both have a oh, a fair amount of leeway here working through the regular season. Maybe not quite what the Patriots used to have in this division, but you know they can they can go through a rocky patch and come out and still win the division by two or two or three games. It's got to be kind of yeah. cool, right? If you're uh, if you're Sean McDermott or Matt Lafleur, where you know, like one loss means the world to some teams. And then, you know, you're just kind of like, yeah, Meh, this is this mm-hmm. is going to be fine. We're going to be all right. Uh, who does move you emotionally here? Outside of Von Miller, I would say. Um, I would say Ed Oliver, right? And we're, year, we're, we're in year four here. I would say that it's probably safe to say that last year was his best year. They've, they're rotating the tackles. He's going to be fresh in these games, but I think they need more from him, and I think that there's a chance that he he has that year where he finally just like tears people limb from limb on every snap and becomes like the the alpha on this uh, on this defense. At least I hope so. One more thing about Ed Oliver: uh, net yards above replacement. Yeah, which is, I don't know how. How do you feel about? Or net yards over average. How do you feel about net yards I like that over one. average? I, I think it's yeah. I, it's I good, think right? It's, I think it's at a point where it's still an underrated stat. I do too, and I don't want more people to know how to get it. Um, but I'm just going to keep talking about it. Um, the Bills with Ed Oliver on the field, net yards over average, five hundred eighty-four point oh six yards. So. Net yards over average is kind of like a micro version of war, right? Where you break it down mm-hmm. by yards. How how much better are the Bills when Ed Oliver is on the field versus when Ed Oliver is off the field? Buddy, 584 yards over the course of a season? That's yeah. a lot. That is a lot. So, I don't know. That's that pretty is. cool. Um, and so, you know. Now, that was the best... That was the best rating of any of their down linemen. Obviously, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are going to be your lead dogs on net yards over average. Micah Hyde was 927.2 yards above replacement. 1,000 yards, which is nuts. But still, Ed Oliver, I think, had a much better season than we're giving him credit for and now might further develop himself as as your sort of lead guy Good. there. I'm uh I'm into that. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh I, I liked when they started working Reggie Gilliam in there more the fullback. Uh, it was just kind of completely unexpected because they had it a little bit early in the season and it, it wasn't it wasn't great when they were going with those two back sets and it looked like they just kind of abandoned it and I think there was probably uh, uh there's probably uh you know sort of uh, uh, a smaller man than Brian Dable would have had a tendency to just say, all right, well, I have Josh Allen, so why don't we just spread it out and Josh Allen's going to do his thing and that's it. But uh, they brought it back. They brought Reggie Gilliam back late in the year and he was playing, uh, I'm looking at the, the 
snap counts here. I mean, he was over 15 snaps in their last two regular season games and their two postseason games, and they had a pretty good run game going late in the year, and that's kind of what we've... It's not essential. When you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, you don't necessarily need like a strong running game to complement him. Your offense is going to work fine no matter what, but uh, just seeing them sort of be able to go to that identity was, was kind of neat there. And I'll give a quick honorable mention to uh, to Dane Jackson, who's going to play more snaps uh, early in this year because uh, Tredavious White is out. And I think Dane Jackson has equipped himself very well in that number two corner spot, that that other boundary corner spot uh, early in his career here. And the uh, the player of the MMQB podcast, Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. we Who we just love. We do. We just love him. That's it. It's so on the nose. Isaiah McKenzie is, uh, he's, he's, uh, what he's like cookies and cream ice cream or something in, in that it's just obviously good. Yes. Okay. Everyone knows it. You know, it's going to be cookies good. and cream. Cookies and cream is a hard flavor to fade. You yeah. Know? It's a, it's a hard, it's a tough flavor to fade. Or like, I would say like chocolate chip cookie dough. Reese's peanut. It's got bigger, yeah, like Reese's peanut. It's got cup. bigger yeah. cookie pieces. Yeah. 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 Like I think my one rub on cookies and cream is that not a lot of them, a lot of places try to save money mm-hmm. on big cookie and so you get you only get the little pieces. But cookie dough that's harder to do, right? You know, you come for the big pieces of cookie dough. You can't get away with um, it. You can't get away with it. And Reese's peanut butter cup, uh, well, right, I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania, so if you get ice cream uh in that area, it's not a Reese's peanut butter cup, it's the Gertrude Hawk cups which are so much better than reese's peanut butter cups sorry reese's but um gertie hawk is a top it's one of one in terms of candy what is Um, as as we wrap up the show (laughs) wait what is gertrude hawk i've never heard those two words uh right next to each other in my life what what does that mean you ever have you ever heard of smidgens what (laughs) wait a minute you're you're just making stuff up (laughs) you've never heard of smidgens <laughs> what is going on i'm not i'm not <laughs> is that like a I, I would guess it's like a uh like a friendly fribble no god <laughs> what is it um okay hold on explain um, yourself all right Can, uh, let me just um let me send you the website so you know it's a real thing first okay off. um smidgens are um, Gertrude Hawk is semi-regional, but like they have a Gertrude Hawk at the airport in Japan. Like it's not, it's not unheard <laughs> oh, yeah, of. Yeah, I, I was, I know? was just there. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's like smidgens, or they're like their signature candy, and it is different. You know, uh, dark chocolate, like light chocolate, milk chocolate, um, <laughs> filled with stuff. So it could be. You know, there's a peanut uh-huh. butter smidgen. There's a caramel smidgen. Okay. There's a dark chocolate coconut smidgen. There's um, there's a sugar cookie smidgen, which has like the doughy version of the sugar cookie, and then the hard sugar cookie, all coated together in chocolate, which is ridiculous. It's very mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. Pretzel smidgens. Um, and now the more that I say smidgens, the more I can understand <laughs> that this feels like a made up word, it but does. it's not. It's really. <laughs> It's a really, yeah. really good candy. You scrambled um, to build this website in the last like ten <laughs> seconds. Uh, Got to find some some stock photos of candy. Uh, um, but yeah, no, they um, 
so you get the peanut butter cup mm-hmm. ice cream in northeastern Pennsylvania. It's not Reese's. It's smidgens. It's, 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 it's smidgens. And so and the peanut butter and the chocolate combination is just better. It's better. And um, I love Reese's. Reese's are my second favorite candy in the world, but I don't know. I mean, if someone else can back me up out there, leave a rating and a review and then just acknowledge that smidgens are real <laughs> in the comments section, and that would really help out me um, and everybody else out there who doesn't believe that I'm talking about a real food stuff. This all, I, I'm on the website. This all looks, yeah, this looks quite delicious. Smidgens. For Christmas this year, everybody's getting a box of smidgens. But the problem is you'll never be able to go back to Reese's again. Never. Wow. It's that good. I'm telling you. That's a big statement. I used to eat a lot of candy. A lot of candy. So, just saying. I can't believe Gertrude Hawk did not pay for this promotion. (laughs) I know. And that's the thing. I don't eat candy anymore, so I can't even benefit from it. Oh, man. If you're out there, Gertrude, send Gary a pack of smidgens because he's got to see the light. He's been eating bad candy for too long. I can uh, don't say I'll order it. I mean, if they'll ship it, <laughs> I don't want. I, I don't pay for play here, Connor. Speak for yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm 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 entirely compromised. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. This episode was produced by. Scott Brody. Our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB Super Bowl champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.